Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to head over and talk about a place I've actually never been, but it is officially on my places to see or do before I die list. I am talking about the Mackinac Island in Michigan. Michigan, the state, was entered into the United States on January 26, 1837, as the 26th state. For those who are not familiar with this state, if you're looking at the map of the United States, Michigan is the state that looks like it's a mitten in the north waving at you. It's also surrounded by some of the Great Lakes in the northern region of the United States. Now, not only is it like a peninsula, but the state also has a number of islands, which includes the island of Mackinac. And you can find this amazing four square <laughs> square foot island basically tucked away in the western tip of Lake Huron. So a little bit of history first. Like all of America, this island was initially occupied by several Native American tribes. In fact, it is believed that the Native Americans had been living on this island since the 1900s. And as such, this island eventually became an ancient burial ground for the Indians. And I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it, but here's my best attempt. They called it the Michili Mackinac place, uh, which, is, which is roughly translated to Great Turtle. So there they were, just McChillin, uh, on this island, about 900 B.C., A.C., D.C., and then the French arrived about the 1600s, and they claimed it as part of the new French colony that they were establishing in that region. Now, after the French took the losing side in the French and Indian War in 1762, the region became under British rule. In case you don't know this, the French and Indian War was actually a war that the French and the Indians had an alliance against the British and the American colonies. And for those of you who don't know this, a very young and pompous-ass George Washington actually starts this French and Indian War that he partakes in and helps win for the British and the American colonies. But besides that, when the British take over this area, they actually end up building a fort on the island in 1780. Now, this, this is where things start getting a little funny. Because even though George Washington, that guy again, beats the British's ass in the American Revolution, the British continue to claim this territory. And they keep it 
for a little bit, but the United States actually will take possession of it in 1783, and it will actually become the headquarters of John Jacob Astor, who was this guy who launched an American fur company. And eventually this particular area would be developed into a resort that we'll actually get into down the line. Now, during the War of 1812, when the United States and Britain were at it again, and let's be honest, the British was winning, kicking ass, taking some names, and they end up taking this island back. In fact, this particular fort ends up seeing two battles during this war. However, thanks to the French, thank you, French, the animosity between the branches of the the French, <laughs> the animosity between the French and the British kick up about this time. And the British, after burning down the United States White House, which has nothing to do with this island, but side note, assholes, um, <laughs> they decide, you know what, we're done kicking the colonies around. We're going to go pick a fight with the French. And so they actually leave. So as much as I hate to admit it, the British actually won-ish, won-ish the War of 1812. And in doing so, the United States gets the island back in 1815. So already this island, this four-square-foot four island, has a history of cemeteries, has a history of battles, a history of wars. Americans are dying, the French are dying, the Native Americans are already there, buried. And so essentially, it goes without saying that a lot of blood has been spilled over this little island. In short, this island is covered in death. So let's talk present day. First and foremost, of the amazing things about the island is that there are no vehicles allowed on the island. Yes, again, they don't permit cars. In order to enjoy your stay and get around, you either bring a bike or rent a bike. You can hail a carriage pulled by a horse, or you could putt-putt around in a motorized scooter. But again, there are no cars. In addition to this, most, if not all, of the buildings are at least 100 years old. And they are all filled with ghosts. You have to remember, when the Europeans and the Americans built up on this land, it was already a Native American cemetery, the whole island. So, let's start with one of the biggest places and one of the most haunted places on the island. And I am, of course, referring to the Grand Hotel. It is said that when they started to build the foundation of the hotel in the late 19th century, so the 1800s, the construction workers began finding hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of graves as they were pulling up the dirt. And so it goes without saying, you start disturbing cemeteries and burial grounds, you're asking for paranormal activity. And of course, they weren't very conservative and or respectful of the skeletons and the bodies that they found and unfortunately not a lot of respect was paid forward towards the bodies that they found but today stands the grand hotel now just so we're clear this hotel does not permit paranormal investigations on a whole but there are stories that continuously come from 
this hotel. So what's the biggest, scariest thing? Apparently, there's this evil entity that will has the tendency to form this black mass, and it's got red glowing eyes, and people have seen this, but more importantly, there's one particular story where there were two maintenance men who were in the hotel's theater stage, and one of them kind of had this overwhelming sensation that they were being watched. You know, that could be feeling like you're not alone, something's there, and as he's looking out across the stage, he sees the two red glowing eyes from this evil entity dark shadow scenario basically hovering, and then the entity basically rushes towards him and literally knocks him off his feet, and... He wakes up two days later in the hospital swearing he will never go back to the hotel. And in addition to the evil entity, we're talking a gentleman in a top hat that likes to hang out at the piano on the second floor. He also likes to smoke a cigar, and you'll know this because he leaves a lingering scent of cigar. There is a woman dressed in Victorian period clothing who likes to roam around and she actually likes to cuddle cuddle with the patrons. So sometimes people wake up going, Oh shit, what is this? There is also the ghost of a little girl named little Rebecca. As a child, she had died in the hotel. She can be seen most often on the fourth floor basically wandering the halls and, you know, appearing and disappearing. But it is said that you are likely to see her between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. And solo, you got to be solo. Lots of people, not so much. But that is her visiting hours. In addition to Rebecca, the man with the top hat, the Victorian lady, we actually have another lady known as the woman in black. She likes to hang out at the porch, the Grand Hotel's porch. And in addition to her, she is walking her large white dog. So she's dressed in black, she's got her white dog, and they're basically chilling on the porch. Now if you take a moment and you take the opportunity to look at pictures of this Grand Hotel, and this hotel starts to look a little familiar to you, it was actually the setting of the 1980 movie Somewhere in Time starring Christopher Reeve. I've always wanted to see this movie, not necessarily because of this hotel or anything, but because, I mean, Christopher Reeve was pretty fucking hot. Let's just be honest, guys. So if it looks familiar and you remember, that's the connection. So here again, but I mean, just a lot of things going on. And again... These are just some of the stories. This entire island is haunted, okay? So moving from the hotel, let's talk about the historic Fort Fort Holmes. Now, this fort is currently restored as the British stronghold, and it's located at the top portion of Mackinac's island's highest point. So it's got a strategic position. You always want the highest point so you can look down to see who's coming, who's invading, who's attempting to attack. Now, there have been several reports of people seeing three soldiers talking 
And, I mean, it's believed that they're actually talking about the pending war, the pending battle. And if they see you or hear you and become startled, they will just simply disappear. In addition to the soldiers, there are reports of disembodied voices speaking the the previous natives who were on the island as well. And because, side note, because it is the highest point on the island, people actually like simply coming here to do some stargazing. So this, to me, is actually kind of amazing because you have the soldiers, which were the 1700s, and then you had the Native Americans, which, I mean, prior to the arrival of the French in the 1600s, we're talking hundreds of years. So they're each living in their own time zone, if you will, and reliving in the same spot. So I think that's actually pretty amazing. Now, let's talk about the other fort, Fort Mackinac. So what tends to happen, I mean, this place, I, I, I can't stress this enough. I'm surprised this is the first or I'm recently just hearing about this amazing island. But people have seen soldiers hanging around the rifle range trail of this fort. People have reported seeing piles of phantom limbs in what was the hospital, what is the hospital. People have seen furniture move on its own, even to the point where apparitions or the ghostly activity is causing the motion detectors to be tripped in the Officer's Hill's apartment quarters. And if that's not enough, if, 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 if it's not the soldiers, then sadly it's the th- at least 13 children that had died there as they were infected with typhoid fever, tuberculosis, as well as other diseases. And it is said that people can hear these poor unfortunate children crying and their echoes are are through the halls. And it's believed that they're hanging around, messing around, being kids on the other side. Now, one of the other things that tends to happen is it is said that if you get up early enough to check out the sunrise, people swear that you can hear the sounds of a phantom fife player echoing in the fog near the fort's North Sally Port entrance. So if you if you want to hear how it was originally done, that is your opportunity. And of course, you know, as forts, they don't particularly authorize any type of paranormal investigations. Now let's discuss the Mission Point Resort. Now this, the building itself was initially built in 1827. And it's gone through a lot of changes. It's exchanged hands, ownership, and the property has been used for various purposes. It initially served as a missionary school for children of mixed Native American European blood. Then later on, it gets used as the Mackinac College. And then in the 80s, it becomes a luxury resort that it is now known as. This resort has what's considered the island's most famous ghost, a gentleman by the name of Harvey, a ghost by the name of Harvey. Now, the story behind Harvey is actually a very, 
curious, mysterious one, if you will. So Harvey, in his life, was a student who haunts this particular area. And I actually read reports that he's been around since the 60s, but I also read he's been around since the 70s. But he was a student attending the college. And the story goes that Harvey fell in love, but his love was not reciprocated. He was rejected. And in his despair, he, quote-unquote, tried to kill himself. And so Harvey makes his way to the bluffs behind the resort, behind the college, and he pulls out a gun, and he shoots himself in the head. And to add more sadness to this scenario, he actually, his body actually does not get discovered for six months. So six months after he's gone and disappeared, they find his body. Well, when they find his body, it's immediately ruled a suicide. But here's the catch. Poor Harvey dies from not one bullet held to the head, but two. And what's more, when the gun is found, it is absolutely nowhere near his body. So, what they're saying is, is that Harvey had the skill to shoot himself twice in the head, managed to stash the gun somewhere else before falling dead where he was found. And so, I mean, this is like the magic bullet theory. This is not possible. On top of all this, there was a theory that Harvey's competition for the lady, for the for the chick that he he fell in love with, that guy may or may not have had something to do with Harvey's death. You know, get rid of the competition. So what does that mean for now, today, at this resort? This resort actually has a couple of buildings, and one of them being the theater. It is said that old Harvey likes to hang out at the theater. He likes to, you know, mess with the ladies, pinch, poke in the dark. And Harvey's not alone. There were reports of a young girl who is heard calling to her parents, you know, looking for her parents. People have reported hearing and seeing Native American spirits wandering the property. And people have also reported hearing a woman singing old songs, like from the olden days, you know, Victorian era, era, near the theater. And so here again, it's kind of like the fort. You have all these people from different periods of time. I mean, Harvey's 60s, 70s. I'm sure the Native Americans were hundreds of years ago, and they're all coexisting in their own timeline on the same property. Now, one of the other places, and, you know, of course, I'm going to mention St. Anne's Cemetery. Again, they do tours of coaches on the, on, the, on the island. So a lot of the tour guides with their coaches at night have reported that as they're passing St. Anne's Cemetery, they will see and feel something get on their carriages in the middle of the night when they're otherwise alone. And when they turn to go see who got on the carriage, there is nothing there. And this has been reported by several, several different carriage writers. 
Let's talk about the drowning pool. This is a this this actually kind of has on top of everything else even a morbid sense of history. In the 1700s and early 1800s, unfortunately, seven women were accused of witchcraft, of being witches. And as everybody knows, they did some some horrific things to test these women, or in men, warlocks, but for these women, in order to determine if they were a witch, what they, they did a few things, one of which was they would tie rocks to their feet and throw them in the water to see if they float. If they floated, they were a witch. If they drowned, oh, you're innocent, but you're dead. Thank you. Fuck you very much. As you can tell, I don't have a lot of tolerance for that kind of stupidity. Because, I mean, anybody could have accused any innocent woman of being a witch, and it, it's just... I, you know, obviously I'm recalling the Salem witch trials and the absolute mayhem that happened there. The other thing that they would do is they would place the woman in a seat at the end of a sturdy pole and dunk her into the water, basically like a seesaw type thing. And they would not quit dunking her until she admitted to being a witch. So she, they're being coerced. And if she didn't, they would hold her under the water longer and longer and longer. And again, a lot of these women who were innocent would rather drown and die than admit to being something that they weren't. So a lot of women died as a result. And those who did admit to being a witch, even though they were probably innocent, more likely innocent, they would hang those women anyways. So you're screwed. And it's just the mass hysteria and the stupidity behind it is just vulgar to me. Either way, this drowning pool is today a 20-foot-foot drop where people go swimming and kind of, you know, a place to McChill, if you will. And the thing is, is that it is said that the women who were basically murdered here haunt the waters to this very day. People have seen mysterious splashing when there's nobody there. They have seen shadows and dark figures floating above the surface. In addition to that, they have seen the shadows come out of the water, making no noise and not seeing any ripples in the water, as well as hearing big splashes, like reliving their drowning moments. And it's like, it's such a big splash. It's not a fish. They don't know what it is. Now, like I said before, this entire island is built on the Native American burial grounds. And, of course, it's built on where people died in these battles and or died of diseases and sickness. And as such, when they built up the town, they just built on, on top of these, on, on, on this, you know, blood-soaking land and cemetery or burial grounds. So if you ever kind of poke around... And look at some of the YouTube videos. And again, one of the things that I do tend to do is I like to look at YouTube videos. I like to read three or four, five or six articles to gather as much information as I can. But you can see some of the testimonies or the information provided by people who have been here or used to work in this particular island saying, oh my God, everything is haunted. And as such, 
there's the story of a young girl by the name of Lucy. And she's actually an entity that has been seen not only throughout the whole island, you know, various locations, but she's also been repeatedly seen throughout the years. It is said she has curly hair. She wears a light-colored sundress. And she's been known to follow people on the staircases at the Crow's Nest Trail or peeking out the windows at the Pine Cottage, you know, in, in various places. Now, they don't actually know her history. They just know that her name is Lucy and that she can be seen all over the island. So, and I strongly encourage you guys to take a look. So how do you get to this place? You, obviously by plane, obviously by ferry. And again, you cannot bring your car. So be prepared to either bring your bike or rent a bike when you get there. Now, this is the, the north. And this is, it's very cold. So a lot of, during the winter months, it's very cold during the winter months. So a lot of businesses kind of shut down during the winter month months. But it sounds like... This place is amazing when it's open. And it, to me, looking at the pictures, you're just literally stepping back in time. Because as I said before, these buildings were built in the 1800s and the 1900s. The forts in the, in the 1700s. So you, you yourself are not only walking among the ghosts, but you're walking in the past. And I think that's pretty amazing. Okay, so that is what I have for you tonight on to business. We have a Facebook page, and if you are curious or interested, Facebook, 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 send me a request. We generally post one or two a day, maybe, if that posts. But if you have a topic that you would someday like for us to cover, or a serial killer for Samantha or Sierra, send us all an email at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. But until next time, please remember... Only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm -hmm.